to be quite frank with you, I didn't even really want to start this podcast today, but I knew that this is just part of the process. And now I'm 51 minutes into it and I'm, and I'm pumped. Like I'm pumped that I decided to do this. I'm pumped that I didn't give up. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Britney Crystals on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com, that's M-I-C-M-E.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out micme.com and use promo code MIC, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up, Socialite, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes recently. I've been super pumped on them, as usual. Anna brought some incredible value uh, with her tips on branding and positioning and creating customer personas. Hannah was incredible with um, sharing how she's found her purpose and giving strategies for us to find our own. And Ambrose was absolutely spectacular, sharing his story going from a career criminal to now startup strategist and entrepreneur and just showing us that our past does not have to define our future if you have the right mindset. So before we get started on today's episode, if you could take a minute and just leave a quick review on iTunes, if you haven't yet, I'd really appreciate it. Five stars if you love it. One star is fine if you haven't loved it, but I would love the review if you had a moment to just like dive in there and do it. Good news is you can probably leave a review while listening to this episode, so you don't have to tune out, which is great, but it definitely helps uh, other people see the show, and in addition to that, it helps grow this community that we've built together, and I've mentioned this before, and it's just something that I'm really pumped on. Everybody that's commenting on Instagram and in the direct messages and now connecting with each other in real life. has been super exciting and I'm glad that we could all do this together. Anyways, thank you if you end up leaving a comment and it's all right if you don't. I know that sometimes it is a little bit challenging to do that or you just don't want to leave your opinions in a public space. I can completely respect that, so no worries. Uh, This year and this month in particular marks five years of owning my own business. Hmm. I, I believe it's actually like, I don't know how exactly how to say that is like, uh, did I jump into entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call it? I, I kind of like kind of st- uh, stay away from that entrepreneur word. I think it's, it's gets very like uh, overused and it's kind of hard to define that uh, what that is. But I guess technically in June of 2014, I started and filed my first business, which was great. And what it was going to be or what it was, was a digital marketing agency, right? 
But at the time, I really thought that it was just going to be something where I load up a bunch of content into Hootsuite, I press play, I work with small businesses, and that was that. And, you know, I would get 27 clients at $700 a month, and um, everything would work out really well, and I could manage the company with two people, and it would be great. And things obviously took a huge change, or a huge turn, rather, and I ended up uh, building out an agency, obviously with the help of my team at Blue Light. It's been an exciting road, and I had a conversation earlier today. Shout to Mike uh, if you're listening to this. It was a lot of fun. Had a, a conversation earlier today where we kind of just started talking about like that first year of starting your own business. And what I wanted to do today was at least give you my two cents on starting your own business. Now, for those of you who might not know, I do run a digital marketing agency. We are service based. There isn't. We don't like sell a product. Uh, in particular, or and we don't have like a software as a service, better known as a SaaS. However, I think there are some fundamental things that do apply. And I think that these strategies that I'm going to share with you today could actually be beneficial no matter what industry you're actually in. Now, with all of that being said, this is just what worked for me. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, something that you have to implement into your own business if that's something that you want to do. And it does. And it's definitely not the Bible. This is just worked for me. And, um, you know, there's a lot of challenges that I was presented with, with I, which I hope you never have to be presented with. But of course, what good is gaining knowledge if you can't share it with the people around you? So I'd love to share that with you today. Um, and if you're interested in running or starting your own business or whatever it is, and you want to dive a little bit deeper after this podcast, feel free to just hit me up on Instagram. The DMs work the best or even in the comments because I read every single comment on Instagram at Mick, M-I-Q-K. I would definitely love to chat with you about what your business is and give you my two cents if you feel like it would be valuable. I actually wrote down a bunch of these tips today and I kind of want to take you through a story as I give them to you of how I kind of started this whole thing. When I say I, there's been incredible people along the way. Of course, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded with great people who, who have allowed me to kind of lead and build out the agency that we are in today. So um, I definitely could not have done it with my team at Blue Light, Nelson, of course, my partner, uh, Hannah, Sarah, Carly, Sophia, Tony, and all of the contractors that we've worked with, Mason, uh, Brittany, my friends, like the new ones that are coming in now, you know, there's, there's tons of people who have helped out. My uncle, um, who also did a podcast with us, like really every single person that I've been able to come in contact with over the last five years have really helped impact the business in a positive way. Even if in the moment it wasn't positive, um, it definitely ended up to ended up being a learning process. So I guess maybe that's tip number one is understand that the people around you are going to help you build your business in one way or another, even if it's just sharing a piece of content. And I also got to give a, a deep shout to my friend, Brittany Crystal as well. You've helped out quite a bit. And of course, every single client that we have at Blue Light is an absolute blessing, but I could go on for this whole podcast just saying thank you to everybody who's helped out. Let's get started. Put yourself in this scenario. When I started my first company, I was still working at another company, to be honest. Um, I never worked on it when I was working at that company. I never worked on my business when I was working at my full-time job, I guess is a clearer way to say it, because 
A, you shouldn't do that, but B, because, you know, like you really got to separate those things. But the first thing that I wanted to go over or at least share with you is you should definitely um, set aside time to work on your business after hours. Like that whole classic story that if you listen to Gary Vee, you might have heard of like, oh, okay, cool. You work from nine to five. Then when you get home, cool. You work from six to midnight. Like that actually happened. And that was actually something that I needed to do. My friend Eric, shout to Eric, um, actually helped me get my first laptop computer that I'm still using today to run uh, to run Blue Light. And that was actually a game changer for me because making a purchase for a laptop was a big investment for me at the time. So anyways, he helped me do that. And when I got home from work, I learned everything I needed to learn. Not everything I needed to learn, but I learned a little bit more about the business that I wanted to start, which again was a social media marketing company. I didn't even know what like agency really meant at the time. So a social media marketing company, and I just started getting to work immediately. But it took a lot of time. So I learned how to make my first website, which I did on like web.com or something like that. Uh, and then later on to Wix. And I thought Wix was really good. I, I never recommend using Wix now. But number one, thing was definitely setting aside time after my work hours uh, to work on the new business. And what I was doing then is I was definitely building the skills. And the plan was at the time was to build a solid runway for me to, uh, you know, maybe jump ship and go full time. In my opinion, if you plan on starting a business, you definitely have to find a way to go full time. If you're doing it in your, you know, if you're doing it after work for one, you don't have all that energy and it really does take every single bit of your focus, right? You need to be able to live, breathe, eat, sleep, walk, talk the new company that you're starting out because really, you know, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of details that take that, but more, more importantly than that, like something as simple as meeting up with people, um, happens during the daytime. Not a lot of people are going to be working at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night to meet up with you for important meetings that you might have to either close a new deal or uh, work with co-packers if you're starting a business or something like that. So setting aside time to understand what you need to do after you're done with your full-time job before you make the jump is really important. But with this, keep in mind that you're building a runway for yourself to finally make the jump. Now, for me, it was a little different. I got fired from my job and I was forced to go full time. Um, but if I were to go back now, I would have definitely liked to have put a, set up some sort of runway, whether it be three months, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, understand uh, how much time you're giving yourself and set deadlines for yourself while you're starting your new business. And when you really break down your finances and things like that, because that's really going to be the number one thing, you know, you can start to, you can start to understand like what you really need to survive. Do you need a $300 subscription for cable? Probably not. Uh, do you need to be going out every day for happy hour? Probably not like those types of things you can easily cut out and focus on your business and give yourself a longer runway to actually, um, you know, execute properly. But I definitely think keep in mind as you're doing what is starting as a side hustle, keep in mind if you really want to grow this thing out, eventually you will have to go full time. So in those off times after you get off your full time job, the only thing you're doing is building a runway for yourself to go full time. Anyways, I could beat that one to death, but that's definitely tip number one. Now, tip number two for me, 
uh, as a service-based business, service-based, service-based business, man, it's been a long day, um, would be to build out a menu of services of what you're going to offer. Now, you might not want to start a service-based business like I have or a client services business like I have. Uh, you might want to build out a product or you might want to build out you know, some sort of software. That's great. I still think that building out a menu of services or a menu of offerings is definitely important in the beginning. And the reason you want to do that is because you need to start developing some sort of clarity on exactly what you're going to offer. If you do not have that clarity in exactly what you're going to offer, you will not be offer be able to do the next step, which is build out a customer persona. But before I get into that, even if you're starting a food-based business or you're starting, you know, some sort of uh, uh, fashion line, I really do think it's important that you lay out, I'm going to offer these types of clothes and these many styles. I'm going to offer pants and I'm going to offer tops and three accessories. That's what I'm going to do. Like get down to detail of exactly what you're going to start developing and producing first. Same thing with your software. What are the 10 features that I'm going to offer and which ones are going to make me different? If you're a food-based company or like some sort of a consumer package good, it's like, all right, what are the first three products that I'm going to launch? And then think to yourself, do these products, are these going to extend over time or is it just going to be these three products, but whatever it is, get super focused on exactly what you're going to offer in that first three to six months, uh, or even year or even two years, whatever your business calls for, get super clear on what you're offering. Now, uh, after you get clear on what you're offering, develop that customer persona. Now, this is something that I didn't do until like really late last year and early this year. Um, I, and this is a big mistake that I made. So learn from this mistake, right? In the beginning, I felt that my marketing skills and services and Blue Light's marketing skills and services could apply to everybody. And that's a mistake that people are making. So as a client services business, I really do believe, and I've learned now that once you niche down, you will actually find more success. And I know that sounds scary in the beginning. I know it sounds like, well, dude, like, I'm cutting out so many potential customers by focusing on these people. But you may have heard the saying that if you're trying to speak to everyone, you speak to nobody at all. So I really do find that it was very beneficial for us to get clarity on exactly who we're talking to. And we decided to focus on uh, consumer packaged goods in the natural product space, ideally early stage to mid stage brands and definitely startups. And the reason that we wanted to do that is because a, we enjoyed it. B, we understood what our skill set was and what we could actually offer. And, um, C just, we had a great network of people around us. Now we still take on clients that are a little bit outside of that, but they do still fit the criteria of like a startup brand, people that we can hang out with, like things like this, or at least at the very least something that we definitely enjoy, right? If you're going to get outside of that, but it's very, very, important to get down and detailed on exactly who you're offering your product to, right? So the best products, um, and I'm going to take one of our past clients, for example, NeoCell. They have a collagen supplement and there's other collagen supplements out there. Uh, there's vital proteins. There's uh, those vital proteins is the main one. And I didn't really prepare this comparison before I started this podcast, but they're two very, they offer essentially the same products, but they're branded very, very differently. Um, for example, NeoCell is focused as a, as a beauty brand. And because they were a beauty brand, it allowed them to focus all of their messaging and marketing material around beauty 
community, which made it very easy to talk to those people. They ended up creating a great niche for themselves. And when they sold to Wellnex, they were already doing $40 million. And shortly thereafter, they were sold again to the Clorox group. And it's because they created that clarity and a niche for them in that space. Now, Vital Proteins, on the other hand, that is more focused toward people of an active lifestyle. And they're do- they're killing it with people in that active lifestyle. But nobody's buying their product because they want better, you know, maybe they are, but because they want better skin, they're doing it for like workout reasons and, and you know, recovery, things like this, right? So they, the both of them created clarity in their brands that have elevated their success exponentially. So again, as you're starting your own business, develop your customer's persona. And what I mean by that is understand exactly who you're going to be selling to. Give them a name. Um, what kind of publications do they listen to? Why would they need your service? Where are you? What kind of networking events uh, does that person go to? And where can you meet them, right? And once you start to understand that, you'll understand how to talk to these people in every medium, whether it be digital or real life. So understand exactly who you're talking to. Now, in the beginning, as a client service business, we definitely needed to take on free work, right? I guess we didn't need to take on free work, but I was still learning and for me, like I didn't have any past like agency experience. I had never even written a proposal before and like full blown, like marketing strategies and tactics. I did not know. In addition to that, I was also focusing on, on social media and Facebook ads was just rolling out five years ago. So there was a lot of learning to do. This wasn't something where there was a ton of courses or if I had gone to college for it, I would have learned because it was all brand new. So what I did is I took my first three to five clients and I took them absolutely 100% for free. And my clients were even asking, it's like, why do you want to do this? And I was just very straightforward with them. And I told them like, I'm still learning what I need to do. You're helping me by allowing me to learn with your brand. But in addition to that, I'm also going to be working very, very hard for you. um, So you get that benefit. Now, when I say that I took on free clients, I even paid for these clients in that I was spending my own money to run Facebook ads on behalf of my clients because at the time I could not wrap my head around, you know, spending somebody else's money on Facebook ads when I didn't actually know what I was doing at the time. So I invested thousands of my own dollars and got into credit card debt, which I don't recommend doing, but I ended up like racking up like a couple thousand dollars in learning how to run Facebook ads for small businesses, right? And eventually that worked out because I was able to refine that skill and we got new clients, but I did do that investment and the learning behind that, right? Even something like building out a website, that's not something that I actually enjoy doing uh, today, but like I learned how to do that just in case like that was a potential offering that I was going to have. Anyways, my point is I took on free clients to learn what I needed to do and really help me develop not just the menu of services that I wanted to offer, but also also like the process of how I was going to do that, right? That was very, very important for me. Now, as a new brand, let's say you're not doing a client services type of business. Uh, If you're launching a product, it's important to, in my opinion, it's important to give away free products, get honest reviews from people, not just your family and friends, give it to random people and get their honest reviews about your product so you can really learn how they feel about it. And that might help you shape your messaging. And when you give it away to people, like I said, you want to give it away to the person that you plan on selling to. So if you're creating a beauty product, a beauty collagen product, you're probably not going to give it to a burly man. And if, uh, uh, you know, let's, let's skip 
skip all of the 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 whole stereotype things and segmenting whatever you know exactly what i'm talking about if you are building a beauty product like ingestible product do not give it to some burly man that would never use it in the first place and get their opinion on it give it to exactly who you actually want to work with uh, or sell to so that you can get the feedback that you need to uh, improve the product to shape messaging campaigns whatever it might be um, but in my opinion it's a it's important to do that and of course now uh, with influencer marketing and things like this it's definitely super helpful influencer marketing was not a thing when I started but um, it definitely is a thing now but be careful with that I wouldn't say give it to influencers right off the bat uh, because if you haven't gotten enough feedback about your product yet you might be running the risk of people giving you bad reviews so give it to some random people and just get their honest uh, honest feedback on it but you definitely that'll do two things one is it'll help you develop your product or it'll help you develop your service and if it's good if it's good they're going to tell people about it and that is your first marketing campaign right now for those of you who do want to start a client service type of business um, or any sort of creative business i know that there's probably a lot of videographers listening or something like this be sure that when you take on those clients that one of the conditions is that you have full creative control over what you're deciding to do. Because if you end up taking on a free client and they're telling you what to do, like you're an intern or something like that, you're not actually growing your skill. If you are going to give somebody a free service, make sure that you have all the creative control in that. Of course, if it's something that is going to hurt their brand, you should probably listen to that client and build that skill of understanding your clients and things like this and, and listening to them. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, let's say you're doing a graphic design or you're doing a video is a great example. It's like your cut is your cut. You know what I mean? Your cut of that video is your cut. And if they want uh, edits outside of that, then maybe that's a good opportunity for them to, for you to say, yes, I can edit that, but this is what I promised you for free. And if you want to do edits outside of that, then we're going to have to go into some sort of payment structure. So definitely take on those free, that free work, definitely give, um, give out some free product. This is going to help for reviews. Like if they like it, if it's a product, you know, get them to review you on Amazon or on your website or on Yelp or whatever it might be. Uh, if you're working with brands for free, uh, make sure that you can use their logo on your website to help build up like a client base, things like that. But that's definitely going to help you out. Now, one of the things I definitely recommend that you do as you're building out your business is to start learning every aspect of it as well. This is really important. And what I mean by learning every aspect of it. It's not like you have to become an expert or in accounting or you have to learn everything about the business law in in your area or 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 in your industry or that you have to learn how to create videos because that's marketing. But you should have a basic understanding of the things that you intend to hire out definitely in the beginning stages. And the reason that I say this is because eventually let's say you're starting whatever business it is. And eventually you know that you're going to have to hire a videographer. Of course, like you don't need to become an expert in this, but you should understand like the fundamentals of uh, creating a video, like what it's like to do some pre-production, what it's like to edit a video, uh, what it's like to film a video, whatever it is. You can do a lot of these things on your phone. 
right? Like video. There's a lot of other things, but you, there's a lot of things that you can do on your phone. And so for this example, the reason that you want to do that is because when you are going to hire out a certain service or a certain skill, you don't want to get bamboozled. You don't want people to throw something over your head and show you that it's a lot more and pretend like it's a lot more complicated than it, than it actually is. At the same time, you know, when you do hire those people out, you just want to make sure that you can actually like understand the language that they're talking. You have a good gauge on the time uh, that it's actually going to take to produce the deliverable that you want, something like that. And even with your accounting, for example, uh, you want to understand the basics of like how to read a PL, how to operate QuickBooks or whatever it might be. And the reason is because if you're going to outsource that, you need to understand how much time it's going to take. But even more importantly, too, is like if you decide to fire that person or you need to do, you know, you need to do your own due diligence and do an audit, like whatever it might be on your own company, you want to know how to run those things efficiently, right? Or at least to a certain extent. So, Understand the different aspects of your business and like take time to learn about accounting and what uh, that means for you and your business. Understand uh, like how to use social media in particular. Like you don't want to like go up to a social media uh, expert or whatever it is and then, you know, and then find out they're actually doing a half-assed job because you never took the time to learn about content development, proper content distribution and best practices, things like this. Right. So take the time to actually learn those things. And, um, I think you're going to have a great time. Now, with all of that being said, just because you learn those things doesn't mean that you're going to talk to the said expert when you decide to hire them and be like, I know everything about it. At the end of the day, they are the expert. Always have a little bit of humility in those conversations things like and things like that because you might know something, but they might bring something new to the table. Ask questions instead of giving direction. I think that's kind of like a great way to kind of understand exactly what your, uh, what your vendors are doing for you and potentially your employees too. So, you know, learn as many aspects of your business as possible, if not every aspect of your business. And if you don't have time for that and you need to hire out immediately for whatever reason, make sure that you set aside time to have that person, uh, run through what they're doing for you, not in a ma- micromanage way, but just to understand what they're doing um, so that you have a pulse on what's going on. And, and in addition to that, it creates great relationships with vendors, employees, things like this. If you actually do take the time to understand what they're doing in a non-hostile way, like it's, it's straight up out of curiosity, right? Now, speaking of learning every aspect of your business, just because you know how to do all of these things doesn't mean you have to do them all yourself. So as you're building out your business, make sure that you delegate the things that are super challenging for you that you don't find interesting or just straight up aren't a good use of your time. And I know that a good use of your time is like super subjective, but I think one example that I could give you is that, you know, setting up like, you know, setting up a Facebook ads account or something like that. Everybody on my team is absolutely capable of doing that. But my primary role is to make sure that everything's operating properly and we're getting new clients in and then being the face of the brand and whatever else it might be. So if it doesn't fall under those three categories, you know, and there might be more, but if it doesn't fall into those three categories, then it might be okay for me to delegate that work out. You know what I mean? If it's something that's kind of relatively easy to do and everybody has that skill set. If you have a problem with this, take the time to teach your assistant or your employee exactly how you like things done, create an SOP or a 
a standard operating procedure so that they don't have to ask you, but that way you actually have the detail of it. Do not get mixed up in the idea that everything has to be filtered through you. If you want to build out your business and really scale up, you have to be able to trust the people around you. And the way that you can do that is by taking enough time to train them and then document what you actually trained them on so that they have a reference and they don't have to ask you every 10 minutes, like, you know, how to fulfill a certain type of order or whatever it might be. So don't be afraid to delegate, you know, because delegating your time is one of the things that will really help you grow in the long run and be open to ideas. Always be open to ideas. (sighs) So, Got to take a little bit of a break there. Like we're definitely ranting on here and I hope you're finding this uh, as valuable as I think it is. (laughs) I think these are like great tips, things that people always like ask me um, all the time. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I wonder exactly how many tips there are in this episode. Now, I think as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, it's very easy to kind of get like lost in the mud of exactly what you're going to do or what you're going to do in a certain day. And there's a ton of different like productivity hacks for people. Uh, you know, they write down lists, they do things the night before and da, 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 da. But the fact of the matter is you don't fucking have the time to do that all the time, or you're burnt out on the day or whatever it might be. And you just don't write down your list. And you know what, if you actually have that capacity to write down your list every single night before you go to bed, more power to you. But at the very least, I recommend that you do these three things every single day. You do one thing to help your brand. You do one thing to help amplify sales and you do one thing to smoothen out your operational processes. If you can do those three things every single day, I think that you will find some progress in the long run. And that is something that I hold true to every, uh, even now, you know, I don't really miss very many days where I don't do one thing to help amplify the brand, whether it be on you know, on my social media or blue lights or, you know, wearing a shirt, taking a picture, like something like that. Or, and I, there's not very many days where I don't go through like the operational processes to try and smooth one thing out. And I'm definitely always doing something to bring in new business. And some of those bleed into each other, right? So creating a solid sales process, for example, is something that helps operations and sales. And if you talk about your business and, and things like that on social media, that helps your brand and 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 sales, right? So like, if you can do those three things every single day and commit to at least one thing for operations, one thing for sales, and another thing to help amplify your brand every single day, you will find progress. And those are, in my opinion, and what has worked for me, the three things that have brought us any success, right? So that's definitely how you can kind of get through that, that challenging idea of like, man, I have so many things to do and I can't even start one. I mean, make sure that you have those three things on your checklist at all times. Now, let's say, and for us, you know, as we're building out Blue Light, you know, even from the first company, I really wanted to stay true to like the social media marketing uh, part of the business. I really thought that that was what it was going to be. And in all honesty, I think that social media marketing by itself, like that ship has kind of sailed. Now um, that we're a little bit further into it, 
and the whole like social media expert thing is maybe dying out a little bit in my opinion it definitely is um or those people won't have you, you know those types of brands that just focus on social media marketing probably um are going to get like phased out slowly as other skills become uh more available and people and the learning curve is becoming a lot shorter. Uh, it's really important to innovate for your business at all times. When we're talking about the products that you want to offer, you know, I mentioned that like, will your brand extend into different product lines? And what I mean by that is like, let's take Calvin Klein. Uh, I don't know where they started, but they have t-shirts and then they have underwear and then they have jeans. They also have shoes and they have fragrances, things like that. With NeoCell, our example from earlier, they have a collagen powder, but they also have like an on-the-go stick. They also have like gummies and chewables as well. So not just the powder that you put in your drink, but they have gummies and chewables. So they've extended that product line and they stayed on the forefront of like what was trending because gummies, for example, were really trending at, at a certain point in time. But business... I forgot who said it, and it could have been Steve Jobs, but I don't necessarily want to give him the credit. But businesses are two things, innovation and marketing, is what I think Steve Jobs said. And it's absolutely true. It's a very, very rare situation where a brand can sustain on one product and one product alone. In and Out is a really great example of that, but In and Out spent so much time building a solid brand and making sure that their operations were consistent and things like this that they maybe didn't need to do that. However, when I worked at In and Out at that time, they didn't actually take credit cards, which was kind of weird. And that was only like 15 years ago. Oh my gosh, when I say that out loud, it's kind of crazy. But 15 years ago, I worked at In and Out and they didn't take credit cards. Everybody took credit cards. Eventually, they had to do that. Maybe let's call that innovation, right? If you've gone to an In and Out and you're in California or something like that, you might notice that there's people standing outside with uh, that help kind of the uh, the drive-through flow a little bit better, and they take your you know they take your uh, order out a little bit earlier to make everything a little bit faster. Maybe that's innovation. But for the most part, they didn't. But my point is this: it's very very rare that you're going to find a brand like in and out that didn't have to innovate to stay in business. Every single business has innovated in some sort of way. Even car companies like Ford and BMW, like these are great examples of how every year they're releasing a new model. Apple, they're releasing new models all the time, just improvements on what they've already done uh, so that they're, you know, so that they don't get stale. And as I'm saying this right now, I'm thinking, what is the next service that blue light should offer? Now, one of the one of the uh, issues that I ran into uh, when I was starting out my business is I said yes too often. And there's a lot of advice out there that will tell you, oh, just say yes and figure it out later. And I believe in that to a certain extent. For one, definitely as Blue Light has grown, it, that's definitely a little bit more detrimental to our business than it is a positive experience. And the reason being is because if we're saying yes to services that we're not very good at, it actually slows down the entire workflow process of our business and thus becomes a loss instead of something that is profitable. Um, so that's definitely a challenge. And in addition to that, I believe that there is a lot more on the line for us now where like, I don't necessarily want to risk doing a poor 
poor job at something that we haven't done before simply because I wanted to close a deal, you know, I'm not willing to risk our brand like that. So I say no often to people who ask for things that I kind of think are maybe in our wheelhouse, but we aren't exactly experts in. So as you're building out your company, yes, in the beginning, maybe you should say yes a little bit more often than you would. But if you are going to say yes, be sure that you have the integrity to back it up at any cost. So if you are, if you have the audacity to say yes, make sure that you have the integrity to follow up with that and follow through with that at all costs. The last thing you want to do is hurt your reputation because you didn't come through on something. Now, if you're operating some sort of product-based business or anything like that, or a SaaS company, you know, I was having that conversation this morning and, uh, my buddy Mike was saying how, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily want to provide every suggestion that his customers had for him with his product because, you know, it's not necessarily a, a profitable thing or he doesn't know if every customer would want that, but that customer would want that. Imagine how many times you've might've asked in and out to, add bacon. I, I, well, I've asked in and out to add bacon and they're just not going to do it, right? Because that is not their core and that is not their brand. My point is this, don't get in the habit of saying yes so often that it ends up hurting your business. So be very cautious about that. Understand, can you actually follow through on the request that's being made? Will you be be able to fulfill a certain order during a certain time, uh, you know, if you're working with a new distributor or something like that or not, because if the one time that you slip on that is really going to hurt your business. So make sure that you can always, always, always follow through. Now, speaking of, you know, making agreements and things like this with people and being able to follow through, um, one thing that I found to be very important is to have everything in writing when you're starting your business. And I know that a lot of people say this. However, with that being said, I do believe in the handshake. I do believe in like the uh, the word is bond. But I'm not saying that you have to get like a lawyer. This is me, by the way, this is me personally. This is me personally starting my business and how I decided to operate. This is not legal advice or anything like that. This is just what I have done. As an entrepreneur, somebody that moves fast and needs things done quickly, like I don't have time to go through a whole like legal process and wait two weeks for an attorney to get back to me, things like that. I don't have the time for some of those things to happen. And you're going to run into situations where you don't necessarily have that either. But what I am in the habit of doing is you know, at least sending an email detailed with the terms of an agreement and then asking that person to just reply, agree if you, if they agree. Now, I don't know, like I said, this is not legally binding or anything like that. I don't know if it is or isn't, but the reason that I do that is because you, you want to at least have one thing to refer back to. If there isn't a disagreement or something like that, you want uh, some sort of documentation that like, Hey, look back Six months ago, this is what we agreed to. We said that this would happen in this case, da 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 and we want to honor that. So it doesn't have to be like this 27-page, like, you know, NDA, whatever it needs to be, but have something in writing, you know what I mean, that there is some sort of agreement, you know, that like that somebody's going to follow through on one thing in the terms, something like that. It doesn't have to be extensive contracts, just something simple so that you have something to refer to. But this makes things a lot easier. And I think for the most part, both parties are going to be happy with this anyways, right? So definitely, definitely, definitely have everything in writing in some form um, as you're creating partnerships and things like that. 
uh, speaking of creating partnerships, if you decide to have a partnership in your business, and I mean like an actual partner that is a partner on the entity, not like a vendor partnership or a marketing partner where they like, you know, support your brand for like a revenue share or something like that, be sure to, I mean, you should vet all of your partners anyways, but don't, you don't need to jump in quickly to have a partner just because like you feel like you need help in accounting or something like that. In most cases, you're not like check out like uh, bench.co like for $200 a month, you could get all of your accounting stuff done and all of your booking stuff done. Like that's a lot cheaper than trying to find a new partner. Right. But do your research, understand where you really might need some help and before you get that partner. But most importantly, un make sure that if you do decide to have a partner in your business, that you have the same set of goals and that you equate happiness to be the same thing. And I know that sounds really weird, but in my own experience, it's really important to be able to enjoy the presence of the other person and find joy in celebrating uh, in the same types of way and like creating that happiness together, but also having the same goals for the business. And I'm everybody maybe wants to make a million dollars, but I mean life goals. Like what do you want to do with your life? In what time frame? Like what can I expect of you? Da -da -da -da. Don't jump into those relationships too quickly. I lucked out with the partners that I have at Blue Light Media because we do have uh, similar values. We do have similar principles in our lives and we believe in positivity and collaboration and things like this, but not everybody is like that. So make sure that you vet those things with your partner as well as what they bring to the table if you decide to do that. But, I tell, but I'm telling you, in most cases, you probably won't need a partner in your business, at least to start. Get as much done as you can in the beginning and then after that, if you decide to take on a partner, make sure that you vet them, that you have the same values as them, so on and so forth, and everything that I was just talking about. Again, that's just been my experience. You might have something completely different, and a 50-50 partnership works out really well, and you know, you want to take on somebody from the beginning, and like you just have a grand old time doing it. And I like I would love if that happened for everybody, but the fact of the matter is, it doesn't. Um, not only have I had to deal with something like that myself, but I see a lot of friends who have had to deal with something like that, too. And it's not fun to watch, man. It's It gets really painful. So vet your partners and make sure that you have the same values, the same principles, the same goals, uh, not just in the business, but in your lives as well, um, so that you can have a healthy relationship and business partnership. Now, uh, one thing that I believe will help your sales a lot too, and something that's helped us quite a bit is we're really generous with referrals, right? Um, so if somebody gives us a referral of any kind, we make sure to have that deal set up. But what I would recommend to you too, even if you have a product-based business, and I'll get to that, but as a client services business, I guess it's a little bit easier to do that. But we have straight up agreements on what our referral process is like. Um, and it's, and I mean, it's super generous. We give like 15% uh, on the upfront. Um, and then after, and then after that, depending on the type of client that we get, we might figure out something later, right? But it's really important to um, it's really important to set up those referrals and be kind of generous because you know social media is definitely going to help you. Um, Google AdWords are definitely going to help you, but there is nothing more powerful than the recommendation of somebody's peer for another person to make a uh, purchasing decision, right? So be sure that you're generous in those and set up those deals with a bunch of people, and it's all right. 
nine times out of 10, none of these people are going to come through, but at least you have incentives for people around you to start referring, uh, referring business to you. Right. And that makes it a little bit lucrative for them. It also helps you with your marketing, but set up as many referral programs as you can, uh, for your peers and for people within your industry and just let them know that that exists. And later on down the road, Set that up with your your current clients. If you're doing a good enough job, set up that referral program. With the people that are, you know, starting some sort of product or uh, whether it be a software or whether it be an actual consumer packaged good, it's not a bad idea to set up some sort of referral program. That's just influencer marketing, but in real life, right? So instead of paying an influencer $700 to do one post on their Instagram page, why not give like your mom like 10% to refer business to you. Like that seems legit or your friend, like, Hey, if you refer me somebody that might actually need my services, like give them 10%, whatever it might be, whatever you're comfortable with, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and if anything, it just helps amplify your marketing and it doesn't like, it doesn't cost that much money. And what's great is if you do have people referring business to you, like they're going to be, and that, you know, they're going to be super pumped because they believe in you. They believe in what you're doing. So don't be afraid to set those things up. You need to create different streams of income and different marketing channels. And the people and your peers are a marketing channel. But you got to like, you got to pay up just like you would pay cost per click. You got to pay for that referral, right? So just keep that kind of stuff in mind. Now, we've had tons and tons of ideas on, you know, new products, new services, new processes, uh, new campaigns, things like this. And what I found to be very important, and even in your business itself, is you have to set some sort of benchmark and some sort of date as to when you're going to shut down an idea. And the reason I say that is because you don't want to beat a dead horse. Sometimes things just don't work. Like sometimes your business just isn't going to work. That's just the bottom line. Yes, you should work your freaking face off and you never want to give up too early, but set a deadline for yourself like that you have to make it work by this time or something else is going to happen. I'm not saying shut down your business completely, but it could be a new product line, for example. Okay, cool. If my new bars don't sell 10,000 units in six months, then I have to shut down this shut down this product line. Whatever that goal is for you, right? Like, And of course, like you want to be able to actually like calculate these properly and understand what it means to your business to shut down something or to continue with the product line. And I understand that there's a lot of nuances, but sometimes a bad idea is just a bad idea. And the reason and the way that you can tell if it's a bad idea is if the market isn't responding well to it. Easy, right? So there's nothing wrong in, in shutting something down. And like, just because you're starting over doesn't mean you're accepting failure. You're simply just giving yourself the opportunity to succeed. So set some deadlines for yourself as to when you're going to shut down an idea or when you're going to pour gasoline on it on the other side of that. So I think that's equally as important. So my bars did sell 10,000 units in six months. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to pour gasoline on this. I'm going to shut down another product that wasn't doing as well. And I'm going to focus all my attention on this bar until I come up with the next great idea. That's equally as important to understand for yourself. But setting deadlines and rules and things like this for yourself are really important because we're always going to find a way to justify continuing doing something. But if something like hits, if you create a checklist of 10 things that must happen and it has to hit a minimum of eight for it to continue past month six, stick tight to that. It's okay. Like processes are very important. And I believe that processes in understanding, you know, 
essentially you're creating con uh, consequences for yourself, right? Just because you're an entrepreneur or a business owner doesn't mean you can't have uh, consequences for yourself. So I really do believe that you need to set those up for your, uh, for you. Now, as you're building out your business, I actually believe that, and I know, and I've seen it happen, but good things take time. We all have these grand ideas that we're going to like, you know, do a million dollars in business our first year. You know what I mean? Like, and of course, like you could do that. And, and some people do do that, but you know, people have different goals. But my point is this, anything good is seriously going to take time. I've been releasing or, and blue light's been releasing like an, a version of the Tuesday show for four years. Yes. Before it was at, uh, at blue light, we're doing Facebook live Tuesday night talks. And if you've been following me for long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it still hasn't picked up the traction that I want it to pick up, but it's gaining a little bit more, a little bit more every time it gets a little bit better every single time. And then I found different ways to use that show to help marketing. So like, even though no one show has gone super viral or anything like that, um, sometimes we'll create a marketing show and we'll email it to some of our clients. It's like, Hey, we did this video. Da, 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 da. I think that you might find it useful. So on and so forth, you know, check it out. So like my point is this is like, we've been doing it and like, no, nothing's gone viral, but like it picks up steam and you get these little like inklings of it's really helping somebody out you know, or, or it's really like serving the purpose that you, that you wanted, uh, by creating a piece of content or a product or whatever it is. So all good things are going to take time. Yes. I just finished saying that you should set up rules and guidelines and, you know, deadlines for you to hit certain things, but maybe that deadline is five years from now. Be reasonable with yourself. I think one of my favorite quotes of all time is actually from uh, Tony Robbins. And he says, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in a decade. And that is absolutely 100% true. You know, um, I'm fucking glad that I didn't give up. I, and at one point, like two years into starting my first business for a multitude of reasons, I was sending in job applications. I was, I was doing it two years in. I think even sooner than that, maybe a year and a half in because it was, it just got so hard. You know what I mean? And then I realized, what if I just focus that energy on my personal marketing, my personal branding, instead of sending out applications, why don't I just create more content? You know what I mean? Things like that. And eventually it picked up and things turned around and now like, man, I'm blessed and I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm so far from it to be quite honest, but I was able to get a great apartment and I have a beautiful fiance. I have an amazing team that I work with here and we're getting some sort of recognition in our community for the work that we've been doing. And it's taken a lot of freaking time and not every day feels good, dude. Like i to be quite frank with you, I didn't even really want to start this podcast today, but I knew that this is just part of the process. And now I'm 51 minutes into it and I'm, and I'm pumped. Like I'm pumped that I decided to do this. I'm pumped that I didn't give up. And for you listening, if you have your business or you have your idea, don't give up on it too early. Give it a good amount of time. Give it a good amount of effort. The last thing that you want to do is shut something down and feel as if you didn't give it enough, right? 
so it's a weird balance. Like, yes, you should set up deadlines for yourself and you should understand when, you know, when is enough enough, but you also equally want to give yourself enough time to accomplish these things. You, you want to give yourself a fair shot to succeed and giving yourself a fair shot to succeed will manifest itself in many different ways. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. It's going to the networking events. It's giving yourself an opportunity to learn through failure. You know, these are all opportunities to succeed. And in a lot of situations, like, and I have no plans in doing this, and I want to be very, very clear with you that I want to, that I have no plans of shutting down blue light in any way. We are growing and we are thriving. But I've seen a lot of people carry out an idea for far too long and it's caused strain on their relationships, their marriages, things like that. Shutting down that idea does not mean that you're a failure as an entrepreneur or a business owner. It just means that that was a stepping stone to the next great thing and you are getting closer to exactly what you were absolutely meant to do in the situation that you were meant to do it. So don't think that, again, don't think that starting over or anything like that is, is, is accepting failure. It's just giving yourself the opportunity to succeed. But do not 100% give up too soon. Give it everything you got. And remember, no matter what it is, be sure to put your heart into it. I really hope that you loved this episode as much as I loved creating it. Um, if you dug it, like I said, please leave us a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to me. Uh, but be sure to check in next week because I will be bringing you some incredible guests. I hope you have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you were listening to this. And with all of my heart, I truly appreciate you checking it out. Yeah.